chapter 2, verse number 1, and uh, you know, I hate to, I hate to talk about it, I, I don't think anybody here likes, none of us like things that are broken, uh, none of us like things that don't work very well, and so of course, you know, I'm one of the guys that actually watched the football game yesterday, and, uh, I, and the one I watched was probably different than the ones that are smiling watched. And so I sit there and you watch the game and, uh, you know, you just look and you think, ah, there's something, something ain't right here. Uh, so, you know, things are, things are a little bit broken. Now, when something is broken, one thing that you want to do is you want it, you just want to fix it. You know, you want it to be right. And I'm just like everybody else. When I see something that is broken, I want it to get fixed because I, well, I'm not good at fixing stuff. I'm real good at identifying when something is not working right. And when something doesn't work right, I'm like everybody else. You know, I want to throw it out and start all over again. And, uh, you know, that can be true maybe in football. That can be true in life as well. But here's what's interesting to me, and, and, and I'm not making football analogies anymore, so y'all just forget about that part. I just wanted to say that so I feel better about myself. So we're looking in Mark chapter 2 today. We're not looking in the state newspaper. So here's the deal. Mark chapter 2, this is what I'm learning about brokenness. It is really interesting to me that it is in the midst of brokenness where God does his biggest work. Now, I'm not talking about Carolina football. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about people. In the midst of brokenness, God does his biggest work. And, and God uses his people to do that work in the midst of brokenness. Now, there is no doubt when I look around all around us today, I look in society, I look in our world, I see brokenness everywhere. I see people that are broken, they have broken relationships. I see people who are broken by addictions. I see people who are broken by their past and all these different things. And, and it, is, it is always heartbreaking when you see that. But I want us to see that it is in the midst of brokenness that there is opportunity for God to work. And that really is the motivation. This month we're going through C4, that is our series for this month, C4, Engaging Culture. And we talked about, as, as a church, how is it that we are going to engage culture? And so we said there, there's several different ways where we can get involved as a church so we can make a difference in the world in which we live. And we're going to engage on our campuses, engage through students. Uh, we're going to engage in our community. And then today we're going to talk about how we can engage our culture, our, our community through caring. And so that is the third C that we're going to be looking at today. And so today in our passage of scripture, what we're going to see is we're going to see something that is broke. Something that's broken, it needs to be fixed. Now in our scripture today, the brokenness, it happens to be a man who is a paralytic. He's a man, his body is broken. And, and so what he needs more than anything is he needs to be fixed. And he had some friends who had a desire to pick him up and to take him to Jesus so that he'd get fixed. And that really is, that is my hope that, that, that me personally, that we as a church, that we will be more and more like the four men that we're going to look into our text today, that we would be the people that would have a desire to bring broken people to Jesus so that they can be fixed. And so we're going to look today in Mark chapter 2, 
And as we do that, we have to understand that at this time in Jesus' ministry, there were people who were looking to Jesus because they knew he was someone special. I mean, he was a guy who was demonstrating that he could fix brokenness. Uh, Back in Mark chapter 1, verse 32, it says, When evening came after the sun set, they began bringing to to him all those who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. It says, The whole town was assembled at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons, but he would not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. And so it's with this information in hand that there was four friends that knew this about Jesus and they saw brokenness and they said, hey, our friend's broke. How about if we just pick him up and we take him to Jesus and see if Jesus will fix his brokenness? Now, I, I am like anybody else. When I see brokenness, I want it to be fixed. But the question is, well, how does that happen? And I think today as we look into our text, we're going to see a few things that are involved before we're going to see brokenness fixed. And so the very first thing that it involves for us to be able to see healing as as a church, as people, is this is where it all starts. We have to have a recognition that people are broken. We have to be able to understand everybody is messed up. Everybody's broken. Everybody needs to be fixed. Now look with me in verse number 1. It says, when he entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported... It was reported that he was at home. And so many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the message to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four men. Now, before something can be fixed, we have to recognize, first of all, that it's broken. If you don't recognize something is broken and you continue to use it, continue to go on as life, as normal, then things aren't going to operate right. I mean, you're just always going to end up being frustrated. So if, if we're going to see something get fixed, we first of all have to recognize that it's broken. Does that make sense to you all? It, it does to me, so I don't know if it does to you or not, but it makes sense to me. And there's an example of this. There was a missionary that had a car... And I've told this before, but I think it fits in perfectly here. He had a car that was messed up. The only way that it ever worked was whenever he parked it on a hill. And uh, to get it started, he had to get like a running start for the car. So he'd have these kids come out and they'd push his car. And then as it started going downhill, then he could crank it up. He lived like this for two years. So every time he parked, he always always had to make sure he parked on a hill. So that the next day that it would start up again. Well, after a couple of years, he had somebody in his family that had health issues, and they had to leave the mission field. So a new missionary came in. He said, hey, let me me just show you around. He goes, first of all, I want you to know about this car I've got. Great car, except for, you know, to start it, you got to park on a hill. And he said, you have to have, we have some of the kids that will come out in the mornings, and they will shove the car off, and I'll get in. As it gets going, I can crank it up. So the guy sat there and listened to him. He said, hey, would you care if I, like, just looked under the hood? And uh, he said, no, not at all. And so he popped the hood, and the guy looked in there and goes, well, look, there's a loose cable here. And he tightened it up, and he sat in the car and just cranked it right up. You know, that, that is, I'm the missionary who would not have any idea about cars. I'm the guy that would get it to be pushed off. For two years, he lived like this because he did not recognize the brokenness of the car. So somebody comes along, the power was there the entire time. It just needed somebody to recognize there was a problem. Now, in a sense, that's what's happening in our text. There's a guy that's a paralytic. Four, everybody's seen this guy for years. 
But he finally has four friends who look at him and think, yeah, he's broken. You know, Jesus is coming to town. There's a chance for his problem to be fixed. Now, now the, here's the man. The man is paralyzed. He can't walk. He was doing the best that he could. He was making the best of his condition. He learned how to live as a paralytic, but there was still the underlying problem. And so the friend said, hey, let's do something about this. Now, now I want you to notice, if you look in our text, notice that the friends didn't look at him and think, you know what, he's done well for a long time. Let's just leave him like he is. You know, he's making do with what he's got. I mean, you have to admire him for that. No, they didn't do that. They looked at him and they thought, we need to do something here. This guy's broken. Jesus is coming to town. Let's bring him to Jesus. It was a simple recognition on their part. Now, now here's my question for you and for me. Do you recognize brokenness? And, and here's where I think I am sometimes. I think I've become so desensitized to brokenness that a lot of times I don't even recognize it anymore. You know, I see brokenness all around me. I'll, I'll see, I'll see uh, you know, marriages that are struggling. And, y'all, and this is just... This is where I can be sometimes in my own life. I can look at that and think, yeah, that's just the norm. You know, 50% of marriages end in divorce. You're having trouble in your marriage? So what? So is another 50% of the people. You know, half the people are struggling. Now, I see young people. I see the struggles they have in their lives. I see addictions. I see problems with, with, uh, with alcohol and drugs. And it's very easy to think, well, you know, that's just what young people do. They're just crazy. But let me tell you something, that, that type of attitude doesn't change anything. That type of attitude doesn't bring healing, it's just simply accepting the status quo. And, and so I look at the four men in our text, they did not accept the status quo anymore. They recognized there was a problem, and so they said there needs to be healing. Village Church, the first step to healing in people's lives, it's going to begin with us. Did you know God's intent for everybody is good. Did you know that? God's intent and plan for your life is good. If you go back to the creation narrative, when God creates things, after God creates, there's one thing that he always did. He looked at it and saw that it was, you remember what it was? It was good. God's intent from the very beginning was for goodness. The word good, it means pleasant, agreeable, Right, but then sin entered into our world and it knocked everything off kilter. So, so how can we be better at recognizing when things are broken? And I tell you one of the best ways is to start immersing yourself in God's word. And that way you begin to learn what, what is good and what is from God and what is not from God. You know, you, you'll begin to recognize brokenness. I mean, Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, it says, so Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, he said, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, the unfortunate thing is when we begin to drift away from this, we, we begin to have a harder and harder time recognizing truth. And so that's why when I, when I look and see what's going on in in the world today, I'm not real surprised. We drift from this, and so we struggle in recognizing brokenness. We struggle in recognizing, hey, what is the simple stuff? What's the difference between a man and a woman? You know, we, we drift from this book. We, we get confused. Uh, we, we, we struggle, and we, we begin to think, well, the only way that there is to find happiness is through what we do. 
you guys want I look at world history, I know this, that the intent and plans of every man's heart ultimately is broken and evil. So if, if we're going to see healing, it begins with this. It begins with the recognition that people are broken. But then the second thing that has to really happen or that's involved for healing to occur, and if we're going to be a part of it as a church, is this. We have to have a willingness to overcome barriers. So we need to recognize brokenness when we see it, but then understand if we're going to see healing, then we have to be willing to overcome barriers that will come before us. Now look with me in verse number 3. So what we see with the guys in our text. It says, Then they came to him, Jesus, bringing a paralytic, carried by four men, and since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above where he was. And when they had broken through, they lowered the stretcher on which the paralytic was lying. Now the idea behind the whole sort of like series and ministry of C4 for us, it, it began with this. We just, we just want to do something. You know, at, uh, as, as a church staff, you know, we'd sit there and we'd talk about, we, we talk about brokenness. We talk about people who are messed up. And it's, it's easy to talk about it. But they were like, but dad, what do we do? You know, how, how do we see stuff change? How do we see people healed? You know, what, what, what can we do? And so we said, you know what, as a church, so we're going we're gonna to funnel all of our efforts and our energy and our ministry in, into four different areas. You know, we're gonna, we, I mentioned before, we're community and, and campus and care and our civic responsibilities. And, and I've become convinced that if brokenness in our world is going to be mended, then it's going to require us as believers to stand up and engage culture. Now, the four men in our text, this is exactly what they did. If their friend was going to experience change in his life, you know what was going to have to happen? They, the four friends, were going to have to pick up and bring their friend to Jesus. Now, why would they have to bring him to Jesus? I'll give you a hint. He couldn't walk. He's a paralytic. Can't move. So if you're going to get him to Jesus, somebody's got to carry him there. Y'all, in our world, people are broken. And when people are broken, their communication line with God is shattered. And so followers of God, it's our responsibility to go to them and help carry them to Jesus. You know, Psalm 66, 18 says, If I harbor or I have sin in my heart, it says, God will not hear me. So if someone's paralyzed, for them to change position, it's going to require somebody to carry them. What did the guys in our text do? They, they, they went to him and they carried their friend. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I'd like to think, hey, that's something, that's something that, that I'd do. But I need to be honest. If we decide as a church that we're actually going to engage culture, if we decide that we are going to be a source of healing for brokenness around us, then we need to understand there will be barriers that are going to pop up before us to discourage us from seeing people experience healing. I look at the guys in our text. They, they picked up their friend. So they were willing. They pick him up, they bring him to Jesus, but they run into their first obstacle. The first obstacle, you'll find it in verse number 2. So they carry the friend of Jesus, and it says, And so many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. They couldn't get to Jesus. Now at this point, it would have been easy for them to say, Hey, we gave it our best shot. 
you know, we tried. It's, it's getting late. It's, kinda, it's time for lunch. And so let's just bring him on home. We gave it a shot. It just didn't work out. That's not what they did. Why? Because they saw brokenness, and they said, we want to see healing. And so they persisted. They made a decision. They were going to continue on until their friend was restored. Christians, that, that's our job. It's to help people find restoration. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. It says we are to carry one another's burdens, and then, and then this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now when they carried their friend to Jesus, they made a decision, they're going to they're carry him all the way through. So they pick him up, they run into an obstacle, they don't quit. They say, we're going to attack this from a different angle because we want his problem to be solved. So they, it says they went on top of a roof, and it says they removed the roof. Now, how would you like to be the owner of that house? Okay, so I'm sitting there looking, I'm like, how do they remove a roof? You know, what's up with that? Now, their roofs back in those days were different than ours. Their roofs were, were flat. So they were flat on top, and the reason why is they had a little stairway that would go to the top of the roof because it's hot, you know, it's hot in Israel. And so at night, people would walk up to the top of the roof to cool off. And they would sit down there, kind of enjoy, it's still like a porch. You know, so they would enjoy the weather up there. So the roof, it was made out of clay. And so these guys went up, went up there. It's not like they had to dig through shingles. I mean, they went up there, and they just simply cut a hole through the clay, and they lowered their friend down to Jesus. They saw an obstacle. They said, we're going we're gonna to fix it. And so what I noticed about these guys is, man, they were absolutely persistent. They didn't quit. They were so committed to seeing their friend healed, they were willing to find a way you know, through the obstacle. Now, if we're going to bring people to Jesus, there's going to be some times when it's not real easy. I mean, sometimes when you have an obstacle that comes up before you, you know, if they're going to come to Jesus, you're going to bring them to Jesus. There are times when you have to move through obstacles. And that's a rare thing to see today. It is so much easier today to quit and to say stuff's not fair than at any other time. That I, that in, in my short life, I don't have a, you know, a, life, you know, a huge lifetime of experience. Like, man, people seem to quit a lot easier today than what I remember. You know, matter of fact, at Oxford University, I, I saw a report this a couple of years ago. It was a study that came out. said Oxford students studying law, that if they were in a classroom, and they heard a case, a teacher uh, teaching about a case that was upsetting to them, they had the right to get up and to leave the class and be excused from listening to the lecture that was upsetting to them. Oh, that's weird. What happens when they become a lawyer and they have an upsetting case? How would you like that guy to be your, you know, your lawyer? Say, like, yeah, I'm just going to head on out here. I don't, this is a little too disturbing for me. You know, I, I look at that and that's, that's confusing to me. Now, that's why it's so important that for us, that, that we, as Christians, that, that we're like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to move through obstacles. We're going to continue moving forward so that, we can, so that we can test our faith and see that it's true. When you quit, you don't get to see God's blessings. You know, James 1, 2, and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, it produces perseverance. Had these men not persevered, their friend would have never walked again. Village Church, if we don't persevere, then there will be people who will not experience healing in their lives. 
How do we persevere? Yeah, listen, we need to persevere in prayer. We need, we need to be praying for people, even when we don't see results. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to continue to pray that you're going to touch that person and change their life. Uh, we, we are to continue to, to read God's word and believe in his promises when we see nothing affirmed, nothing of God's promises working in our lives at this time. Say, so, Lord, I, 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 I'm not seeing it right now, but Lord, I'm going to continue to read your word and believe that you are true. Because guys, let me tell you something. God, in the end, is always victorious. Now, if we're going to see healing in our community, we've, we've got to care. And a part of us caring, here's what it takes. Us recognizing people are broken. Now, the second thing that I see is this. It involves a willingness on our part to overcome barriers. And then here's the last thing. If we're going to see healing take place, we have to live in faith. You just simply live in faith. Now, I want you to look with me in verse, let's see, verse number five. And I love this. I've, I've underlined this, and I think this is a good one. It says, Jesus, it says, Jesus saw them. It says, and seeing their faith. And I underline that. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes, and they, they were sitting there, and they're thinking to this, themselves, Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins? But God alone. This is an example of Jesus proclaiming he's, he's God. Right away Jesus understood in his spirit that they were reasoning like this within themselves and said to them, why are you reasoning these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, pick up your stretcher and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. And then it says, and immediately he got up, picked up the stretcher, went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded, and they gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now, when we talk about caring for others, displaying compassion for people, generally it involves us trying to make their circumstances better. You know, if you, if you, see, if you see somebody who's maybe they're, they're struggling, they, they need some money or they need some food, you know, we can make ourselves feel better. Hey, I'll give you a dollar. I'll give you a little something to eat. And, and that's nice to do, but it does not solve their problem. It's putting a Band-Aid on it. You know, I, I look at the guys in our text. They, they could have done that. They said, he's a paralytic. Let's give him a pillow so that he'll be more comfortable. Now, that's nice. But it's not going to solve anything. And so they wanted to move beyond that. He said, we, we see our friend here, you know, we can do nice things for him, but let's, let's see this guy get fixed. You know, let's bring him to Jesus. So they, they took him to Jesus. Now, there's, there's only one reason why they did. They, they wanted him to be healed. They believed, they had faith that Jesus could do something. Do you have that kind of faith? That Jesus, that he can really do something? Now, what is faith? You know, the great definition of faith is given for us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. It says, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. You know, did you know that faith is a key ingredient in your walk with Jesus? Matter of fact, Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's why, to me, the most powerful words in all of this story, verse number 5, says Jesus did. It says, Jesus seeing their faith. Now, after he saw their faith, 
Y'all, what happened? The guy starts walking again. The guy gets healed. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Whose faith did he see? This is their faith. The four guys who were carrying the paralytic. It had nothing to do with the paralytic's faith. It had everything to do with the men who were carrying that paralytic to Jesus. Villagers, I think that's really cool. We see brokenness. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for our faith. Not looking for the broken person's faith. He's looking for your faith. Do you believe that Jesus, when you bring people to Jesus, that Jesus can heal people? I look at the guys in our text. They they believed. So we're going to have faith that Jesus can do something. So they brought their friend to Jesus, and what did Jesus do? He told him to get up and walk, and the guy, lo and behold, he did. Now, would that have would that have shocked you a little bit? I'm going to be honest. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, he really works? I mean, absolutely amazing. So, so how, do, how do we live in faith? We, we just we trust Jesus. We trust that what he says is true. And let me give an example. And I, I love missionary stories. And there's one, there's a guy named Bob Bagley. He's a Baptist missionary. Uh, he's in Africa, and he, was, uh, he, he pastored a, a group of some tribes people, and their church met under a big tree. And so they were meeting under a big tree, and uh, there are people who are following God. Well, the witch doctor in the community got upset, and he went, he cursed the tree. Now, here's what's scary. He cursed the tree, and the tree withered and died. Now, is that, that's frightening. Now, Bob Bagley, so he's a Christian. He's like, okay, I, so the witch doctor has just done something visible, and he's like, we, we got, I've got to respond to this somehow. You know, I can't just act like nothing happened. He goes, oh, that'll hurt our testimony. He said, so I prayed to God, and I said, God, you got to do something here. you got to fix that tree. He said, now, it's your reputation on the line. It's not mine. You know, we start sloughing it off on God. It's God, it's your reputation. It's not mine. It's your reputation. So he got his church together, and they went and they prayed for God to restore the tree. Y'all, this is crazy. So guess what happens? The tree comes to life again. And it used to produce fruit once a year. To this day, that same tree still produces fruit two times a year. Now, you, do you think that got the, the community's attention? Y- yeah. Uh, the community, all of a sudden, they started believing in God. They started believing in the power of God. Now, why did that happen? Well, it's because there were believers who said, we are going to act on faith and expect God to do something. And I think that's where we fall short, short way too many times. We don't expect God to do anything. So we see brokenness and we think, that's just the way life is. Guys, let me tell you something. God is in the business of healing brokenness. And Village Church, one of the ways that we serve our community is by caring for people. And bringing them to Jesus. And that involves recognizing brokenness. It involves overcoming barriers. It involves us living in faith. So what do we do? We put our faith into action. How do we put our faith into action? Okay, real easy stuff. So this is like the application part. Pray. We have a prayer team at Village Church. Uh, one of the great things that you can do is you can pray and you can, you can join our prayer team, be a part of the prayer team. We pray for people in our community, people in our church who are struggling. We pray for healing, for people to be brought to Jesus be a part of our prayer team. You can be involved with uh, some of the missions that we have here at Village Church. It's a way that we care for people is through missions. We have a team that goes to Haiti every year. 
And they go down there every year and they, they serve, they, they work, they build, uh, they, they talk to people about Jesus in a place that struggles and has a difficult time. I say, what else can I do? Well, another thing that we can do is that, did you know that in uh, probably early January, sometime in January, we're going to have a new campus, a new church from Village Church is going to start at Park Street, Park Street Baptist Church. We, we need people to go down there and help us minister and serve in the Earlwood neighborhood downtown. You can plug into a V-group ministry and begin working with them to impact the neighborhood where your V-group meets. You can invite people to Village Church that you know, that you love, that you work with, who are broken. And they need to meet a redeemer. They need to, they need to meet the healer. You can invite them and bring them to where they're going to hear about Jesus. So why is Village Church here? Well, you know, one of the reasons why we are here is to engage culture. And one of the ways we're going to engage culture is to engage our community by caring for them. And by seeing their brokenness and saying, we know the one who fixes people. And we bring them to the great physician. 